and welcome to the Sensibility Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Baker. I'm financial advisor, money mindset coach, and all-out money guru when it comes to creating the financial future you are after. This is the podcast where we make talking money normal and manifesting into our lives practical. I share with you money mindset tips and tricks as well as practical financial strategies to help you create the financial life and relationship with money that you deserve. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome back to the Sensibility Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Baker, and today we have John Kasher joining us yet again. So this is really basically part two to our conversation last week. There's just so much to be said about, um, I guess, the lending component to creating wealth and finance uh, when it comes to our financial plan, especially in this current climate. So it just makes sense that we're having this conversation around lending interest rates, cash flow management. But today we're kind of going a little bit deeper because we're going to talk about gearing as well because that is another strategy that people use when they've got an asset like a property. And I'd love to have a a really candid open discussion and also set some warnings out there for those who sort of uh, can get a little overwhelmed with all the noise that comes in and also lots of crazy advertising that promise the world. (laughs) And for us advisors, it, it always scares us. So welcome back, John. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I promised all the viewers and listeners that um, it's the same John, it's just a different haircut. Um, so <laughs> in between our part one and part two, I've participated in the CEO Dare to Cure for the raising um, much needed funds for the, um, you know, for kids with cancer and putting research, um, you know, fun, funds for research into that. But um, yeah, so I promise you, it's still the same person, still the same voice, uh, probably just a different look. Um, and I see, Amy, you got a haircut as well too. So um, we've both got Thank our you. fresh looks on. Yes, we, we both actually commented that. It was like only literally a week ago we sat in front of each other and saw each other and then you've changed. Well done with that. So have you? how much did you raise? Uh, so I ended up raising $5,000 on my own um, from, you know, mums and dads and people contributing. Um but the CEO Dent Cure program uh, has raised nearly $1.7 million as we speak, um, and it's ticking along. So it's really around yeah. creating awareness and, you know, getting those kind of corporate partners on and, you know, and people obviously with uh, deep pockets um, to, you know, help people in, in need. So, you know, I'm very much about giving back for people that follow me. Um, there is a lot of people that are less fortunate than us. So if we can help them out in any way, why not? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, uh, I've been keen to talk to you because last week we left off really, I guess that if anyone was listening to that podcast, the underlining message was to ensure that no matter what you're doing, you must have a strategy and you must have that end in mind. So I want to sort of continue that conversation in terms of when you've borrowed money, albeit for a property that you're either living in or an investment property, that the fact is you've got to actually have that goal in mind, that end in mind. What's that end game? And I, as an advisor, come across um, situations where it is useful to leverage against an asset like a house. And a lot of people have very, you know, I guess misconstrued concepts around how that works. So I'd like to discuss that because in some cases it doesn't need to be the fact that you're borrowing for another property. You can still create wealth against your mortgage, but it's just another way of leveraging. It's a very tricky environment 
to do that right now though. So I wanted to also yeah. explore that. Yeah, well, you know, gearing, debt recycling are kind of interchangeable words. Um, the term kind of debt recycling refers to people going away and, and um, you know, um, using equity in their home that they live in usually, uh, which is what we, what we call bad debt or non-deductible debt, and then using that equity to then go and invest into something and then converting it into good debt or or deductible debt. And that is where the term debt recycling comes from because you're essentially recycling the bad debt into good debt uh, to then use for these investment purposes. Now, the investment doesn't, like it, it, there is aspects of it that it, what, what we think it needs to be, but in most cases, it would be things like shares and property to create growth assets and create income streams to, you know, I'm going to say, what the purpose of it is to try and fast track your solutions to get to where you need to get to. But I say that with caution because, um, it is not a one size fits all approach. Um, it's not, we don't deploy this for every single person that comes to get us. There's a few, there's a few, um, requirements or eligibility criteria for people to be able to deploy a strategy like that. Um, and it needs to be treated carefully because. Whenever you're using debt or using gearing or, or anything like that, I constantly refer to it like using a magnifying glass. Okay. So if you're going to essentially have, um, losses in a normal strategy, okay. Um, or, or short-term volatility, um, this will be increased because you're borrowing funds to enable you to do that strategy. And then obviously on the flip side of that and what people chase from their greed factor is that then obviously from a growth perspective. You're then magnifying those, that growth as well. So you've just got to be making sure that you understand how the magnifying glass works. Okay. And you know, there is the magic of compound interest, but there's also the magic, uh, the, the detriment, sorry, of compound lossing as well too. And this is with Gary as it's playing. And like, like you, Amy, it's, it's a matter around having sure you understand the strategy, you understand the risks and like any good professional investor or advisor will tell you it's more about managing the risks than it is managing the returns. If you manage the risks, the returns will speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, look, as I said offline, I use this strategy, but I'm very cautious in that. The strategy is always, we look at the, the, the actual equity value first. What have we got here? What can we use out of this? We don't use all of it. We don't actually even... I am, in, you know, I'm more, more risk adverse, obviously, being an advisor as well. I don't want to be putting people in a situation where they're, let's use the term debt recycling, and they're basically almost to the point that they're actually bottle, bottlenecked in debt to actually leverage themselves further. I feel that that is counteractive because if we're, when we end up in an environment we are now where interest rates are rising and we're dealing with inflation and market volatility, then we're in a, a bit of a situation where some of those things completely out of your control and you don't, ha and because you've actually used up too much equity in, your, in, in those assets, you've got, there's no going back. Whereas if you're in a situation where you've got enough, like I'm talking, I, you know, one of my strategies was the clients had over a million dollars sitting in the offset, mm. right? So we're going to use a portion of that. But I'm sitting on the fence with this until we're waiting. I'm not going to, that strategy is something we've discussed. 
I've modeled out, I've looked at, we're then going to use that and invest it for a 10 year period because these guys can't uh, just rely on their income. So there's a reason for this. It's not just because of their current, you know, they want to grow wealth. It's because we need another alternative strategy outside their family home that's going to create them passive income in the next 10 years, but also be a tax effective strategy because they are creatives and their income actually can be very, very high or it can be almost nothing. When it's those really high years, this strategy works in terms of that gearing or as you just put it, um, we're now turning bad debt into good debt, offsetting that to be a tax deduction for them whilst creating them some passive income long term. So it's sort of, we've had to really play with numbers and work things out, but that's an example of when I would use uh, someone's mortgage to actually create wealth for a strategy for a purpose. Outside, not just let's look at wealth creation, but let's look at, again, managing risk, managing tax issues, and also looking at ways of creating alternative income streams. Mm. So uh, that's so, a, a, you know, unique thing. Yeah, and, and, and it's, you can see that it's not like just a, a one size fits all approach, Amy, from ex exactly how you were kind of walking through with that, with that client. Um, and I think the other thing is to understand the, the eligibility criteria that we walk through, like, think about it like this. It's, um, we've got a, we've got a, we're in a hot, we're in a, a rising interest rate environment at the moment. And I remember when we first were starting to do these plans, we do 3% above their current rate as a buffer or the five-year CVA fixed rate, whichever is higher, okay? And we mm -hmm. use that. And um, when we presented these strategies to people when they were, you know, eligible, um, we were obviously presenting them to either we've tried it and it doesn't work, which is a part of our alternative strategies, okay? Or it's a, this is your recommended solution. And people would say when in a down look in a, in a decreasing interest rate environment, oh my gosh, look at the rate that you're putting things on. But now that people can see that they're like, thank, thank God, you know, thank God, John, you did that. Um, because you know, we know that we've got the cash flows and things to be able to kind of afford that. And so mm. you got to think about it. We're looking at these strategies with a conservative approach because we know that the damage that they can do, if you can go and do yeah. this, you go do this and then your cash flow, for example, is stuffed up. Okay. Or you can't, afford what you need to afford, or you're not getting the dividend returns or the rental income to be able to, to, um, satisfy things. Well, then the strategy comes unstuck and then you end up selling things at losses. You end up making, you know, bad things out of your scenario and, and pushing yourself back. The other thing we do as well too, is when we're looking at these strategies as well to is cash buffers. Okay. So you think about it, we don't want someone to yes, have good cash flow, but have nothing in the tank. Okay. Because things can happen. Like we spoke about before, you know, dividends could freeze for a particular time period or rental income could not be around for six months. How much do these people have in the war chest to be able to ride out this scenario in the case of something happening? And we're not just talking about these investments, we're talking also loss of job, redundancy. Um, so we need to be making sure we've got a certain amount. And obviously different advisors will use different eligibility criteria. But obviously mm. we talked about one, which is the equity in the home and obviously having sufficient equity to be able to do that. So you don't have a really high loan to value ratio. The second one is, is around having made sure that you've got interest rate buffers to ensure that in rising interest rate environments, you can still afford it and not have to go back on the strategies. 
And then three, making sure that you've got buffers in place in the, in your war chest to be able to ride out things that could happen in your life. Okay. There's life mm. is uncertain. If you think that it's certain, go have a look at the last 10 years of your life and see how much has changed. Yeah. A lot changes and we need to, we can't prepare or we can't predict, but we can prepare. Um, and I keep repeating this, but it's so important for people to look at this stuff. So there's the eligibility of this strategy to see if it's important. Um, and then once you've figured out, the, figured out that, then, and you can do that, then you can start to go, all right, what's the added benefits of this strategy to, to my scenario, okay? And you've got to, when you do that, I can tell you, I've done many, many strategies before where debt recycling or gearing is not the preferred strategy. There is too much risk for the reward that it's going to add. And I'm just going to throw this one out there. Yeah. If you go and do an alternative strategy, model it out, and the person's going to be over, I don't know, 10 year time frame, $20,000 better off um, on a $2 million asset pool. Yeah. Are, are you going to put that client into that scenario? Well, really, you've got to look at what is the added risk for that return? Okay. Remember, we're trying to get the lowest amount of risk to reach that return. And with that less risk, does the client still achieve their goals and aspirations? And this is where people come to sometimes get a misconception that they see a financial advisor and a financial advisor is there to just make them as much money as possible. Eh, not really. Okay. We're trying to get, we're trying to get them to reach their goals and aspirations with the least amount of risk. And obviously that involves them creating wealth along the way, but we want it to be simple and sustained wealth. Okay. Not like a roller coaster. Okay. If you want a roller coaster, I don't know. Watch the big short, watch Wolf of Wall Street. I don't know, take some tips and stuff like that. But that's definitely not what we're trying to do. No, you've made a really, really good point there. A lot of people have, and this is where I wanted to talk about the warnings as well, is that people get to this point where they think, they often put, they put get, getting advice on hold for a long time because they think they need a certain amount of money first and foremost, which is a complete miss. That is a big mistake, in fact, when you actually put off seeking advice, you're losing many opportunities by doing that. But you don't need, you know, thousands and thousands or hundreds of thousands to get advice. I think it's important that you understand that first. Second, our job is actually to mitigate that risk, to ensure that you you are achieving those goals. And along the way, there are going to be incredible opportunities, which we as advisors will see and guide you through as well. And then there are times like, you, you know, we're talking today about is, then when you've got this potential opportunity to use some equity to further leverage, if it is the right time, in the right time of history right now, is something I'm sort of like, okay, we're, we're just going to sit on our hands right now. We're not going to do that strategy for another six months. We're going to see what the financial markets are doing. I'm not talking about buying into property, but in some cases people do want to do that and it, it might be a great opportunity to be buying into investment properties whereas it isn't leveraging to buy into the financial markets right now. So there's a few things there that um, people need to consider, and that's what the advice piece is. And one thing I wanted to, because there's so much information you just gave us there, um, but just for those listeners who aren't sure about our, our jargon, our lingo, do you, do you mind just explaining like the LVR, like what that is and why that plays a part in how we make these decisions, assist a client in making these decisions on whether or not this is the right strategy for them. Yeah, the, um, for sure. So a loan, uh, LVR refers to loan to value ratio. Okay. And uh, 
most banks will lend, allow you to lend up to 80% of the value of your house without any lender's mortgage insurance. Now, I say in most cases, there's some cases that will all do 90 with no lender's mortgage insurance. There's some that will do 85. Different lenders have different policies. But as advisors, we've also got to look at it and say, okay, well, yes, that's what the lending environment allows us to do. Okay. But banks and lenders are in the game to lend money. That's how they make money. Okay. So we've got to look at it and take that hat off and look at it strategically and say, okay, well, what's a comfortable loan to value ratio for our clients to enable them to still reach their goals and aspirations, but manage their risks in line of their goals, of their goals. So in most cases, exploring a debt recycling strategy or a gearing strategy, we probably wouldn't do it if someone was say at 75% and people are like, maybe shocked and they're like, John, what are you talking about? I've got a good loan to value ratio. Well, let's just imagine you had a 75% loan to value ratio at the start of this year. Okay. And we're talking start of 2022. Your property, most properties are down about 10% nationally. There's some areas that are 20%. All of a sudden your loan to value ratio, if you were at 75%, is probably pushing at 80%, if not above 80% back on the, on what's going on. Now, Loan-to-value ratios are important for the banks and the lenders because that gives them that level of security that if there is a property downturn and they were to then liquidate that asset, they've got enough skin in the game to get their funds back and do what they need to do. We don't want that to happen to clients. So we want to make sure that we've got extra layers. Remember, it's about managing the risk again. So, you know, clients who have, say, a percent loan to value ratio yes they're high up the priority list in regards to being able to do something like this obviously 50 percent or less the ones that are 60 70 we can start to look at it but we're really cautiously approaching that if it's above 70 we're probably not even going to look at it okay um because like amy was saying before that equity position is the first thing we're looking at and having enough juice in the tank um to be able to then go through the next eligibility in regards to cash flow you know buffers so on and so forth so that's loan to value ratio. That's kind of how it plays out. Um, and that's kind of the, the way we think about implementing strategies. Yeah. Um, I'm a big believer as well, not just me. I, I'm always assessing the risks for the client. The client's telling me their goal. The client's telling me how comfortable they are in terms of the level of debt or in terms of repayments, in terms of potential risks. We were looking at if that property is not leased. For example, I'll give you another scenario I'm working on. They're about to buy a property in another area, another suburb that they like. They've actually put away a good $600,000. So they know that they've got, we've got money there just to go straight in there. This other property they're living in is completely unencumbered. So they've, they own it right out. So we're going to now borrow money against the property that they're currently living in because they're going to move out of that. And then move into a new property. And they're going to completely, with that money they've got, they're going to um, now lease out the property that they were living in, right? So now they're getting a small tax deduction for that because they're going to be borrowing against the property they're living in, which is now going to be an investment property. Now, in saying that, we've calculated the risk of the timeframes, potential timeframes that that property may not be leased out, but also looking at their cash flow and their ability to manage both loans if you know, they weren't actually, it's more this, the, the investment property loan, if there was nobody in there. And that's what we're doing. We're looking at 
okay, let's assume that worst case scenario, you can't get anyone in that property for five to six months. What would that look like? How would that feel? How would you guys cope with that? Let's look at the cash flow plan now and make sure that that's doable because at the end of the day, we're not just counting on return income from that property. We're we're also counting on the fact that 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 property potentially will grow in value as well. So there's two factors that we want to look at. You can't count on both always at the same time either because it depends on what the markets are doing. So we've got to look at that risk, as you've just been saying, and I think we're really running that point home right here, is what is the risk and how well are you going to manage it in the worst case scenario? And of course, in these these guys, sorry. No, I was just going to say, and to... You know, a couple of that is, I think the reason why we're doing this so much is because there is that, that shiny objects that we see on social media and on, you know, media outlets and, and all over the place. And you go to the barbecue and, you know, the person talks about amassing 11 properties and in Australia, we kind of glorify this stuff. Okay. But they don't Mm -hmm. tell you the debt, the debt that sits behind that. Yeah. The, the, the risks that this person is taking and remember in good prosperous times, these people will shine the lights out. They'll they'll look like the next stars, the the next Warren Buffetts and up and comers and all of this stuff. But the reality is, you know, when the tide when the tide goes out, you'll see you swimming naked. And the reality is, is now now we're seeing that. Okay, we're seeing this tide starting to go out, and we're starting to see who's really got a strong, robust strategy to push them through. And this is what we're talking about, making sure regardless of where that tide sits, you're not being found out to be naked, okay? You need to be making sure. And obviously, I'm talking about being exposed here, yeah, and exposing your financial future or the financial future of your family and the people that you love. And, you know, I'm kind of, you know, referring and, and paraphrasing Warren Buffett's famous saying, but this is very, very true, okay? So just remember... On paper, it might look very good if you go and do like some of your own calculations in regards to debt recycling. You go onto the Money Smart website, you put like $100,000 of borrowed funds, compound that over your 100000 like still looks amazing. But it's one of those ones that, and this is why I love our job, is that the, the modeling and the forecasting will tell you something. It'll show you pretty pictures. But it's around looking outside of that. Like I was saying before, remember that $20,000 difference in regards to that $2 million? Mm. But uh, is my client willing to take that risk for that, knowing then who they are, what they value, how they treat themselves, all of that stuff. So um, I think, Amy, it's very, very important that we understand that the numbers look very, very good for these strategies, but it's actually looking sometimes outside of the numbers that makes the best decision. Absolutely. And you pointed out that knowing the client, knowing what would they be comfortable with, but also understanding their behaviours and their personality as well. Because um, I could say with the clients that I'm working with, I knew that they were very risk averse first, first and foremost. So we, we really had that conversation about the look at the worst case scenario and the best case scenario, because I knew that they wanted to explore that. But then there are clients that are just going to be gun ho they, they're, they're chasing that shiny object. they chasing that I want to have this amazing uh, property portfolio, but my goal is to have five properties in the next six years. Okay, let's really break that down and let's look at the risk because sometimes I've gone in and I've gone, no. I've actually, there are clients I I really won't take on because I don't want to be that person that's almost guided them into sort of 
you know, the pool of sharks, so to speak. Mm. It's not how, you know, I look at some of those, you just pointed out before, I look mm. at some of those ads you see on Instagram and Facebook and mm. the promise of the Australian dream, the great Australian dream of buying property and debt recycling and SMSFs and all of that. And I'm, I'm always look very, very carefully into that. Be very careful understand the risks but also understand how smsfs work and the amount of work and responsibility you have when you have an smsf it's not that you know it's not like having just a, a you know investment property and gearing there's so much more more layers to it and it's more expensive to run and operate so be aware of all of that because there are people out there businesses out there that will really try and entice people to get into that strategy but there's often you really need to understand well what what are their what's their motivation as well are there conflicts of interest and when i say that um always look at the fsg so the financial mm. service guide every financial advisor anyone with an afsl australian financial license has to give everybody a financial service guide now in that financial service guide it will talk about our fees how we're remunerated it will talk about referral partners and if other people actually pay us as well so be mindful ask those questions are you also paid by say property developers or other brokers or other are, are you affiliated with the accountants that look after the super fund that's, that i'm going to set up how does this all work and look there are some businesses that have a holistic approach and they are very transparent in that but there are also mm. some that are, some businesses that i feel are not as transparent we have to be in this industry but always wonder and in the back of your mind, when you're looking at this stuff, is this going to work for me? Are they considering my risk? Are they considering my goals? Or are they trying to sell? Because there's a big difference there. And I think what we're talking about, and I've said I've, I've, I will actually shy away from certain clients because I'm like, that's not, that's not going to be the right strategy and I feel that that's too much of a risk. And it, mm. I have to be considerate of my business and protect my license in that respect and my professional um, methods so I do I do give those warnings and I think it's important that we did do shine our you know shine a bit of light on that because there is a lot of sharks out there Amy I feel like I have to go into a holistic it do absolutely everything the right way to show the people how to do it the right way because there's so many people that do it the wrong way and I've got enough on my plate so I'm not going to go down that complete avenue but I'll we'll make it I will make a comment um so, you know, even us like lend, like from a lending perspective, from a lending perspective, we do lending obviously in financial planning and obviously we, you know, let people know exactly how it works. There's two separate entities, this, that. But what I did want to tell people is that we're probably the worst lending, you know, business out there. And people are like, what are you talking about, John? I said, we actually want you to pay down your debt. Yes. Okay. Now, remember that for a lending partner or a mortgage broker or whatever it is. Yeah. The more lending you've got, the more they get paid. Okay. So for us, because we're obviously financial advisor first, okay. And lending's more of a facility to be able to do that. Similar to like personal insurance is like, we don't want our clients to have personal insurance, but they need it. So we have to make sure that they need it. And then we want them to get rid of it as they accumulate assets over time and passive income. Same as from a lending perspective, we actually don't want them to have debt. We want them to destroy it. It's like our first big thing over time. So you've just got to, I think, also understand the philosophies and really kind of get to know the, 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 the business that looks behind that. And 
The yeah. other comment I want to have around SMSFs as well too, because in Australia, there's this like, we don't have any money outside of our superannuation. So let's use our superannuation to go and buy a property, for example, and gear inside, the, inside of that. Now, I just want everyone to know, in most cases, I would say that the people that come to me with that strategy kind of predetermined in their head, yeah, it's the wrong strategy for them because they're using only the money they've got available to make that, that happen. You got to be focusing on why don't you have money outside of super as well? Like what's what, like, why don't you have that? What's your mindset? What have you worked on regards to your strategies? Like, I'm not to say that it's not for everyone, but I will tell you that I've wound down more SMSFs than I've set up. And I've been in the yeah. game for like in my business alone for 13, 14 years. And I've got rid of all that I've set up. Yeah. And so that's telling you something in regards to most of the time we're trying to fix these issues that have been done because they're going down the wrong path. So just be very wary. Like AP was telling you about who advice you're getting from, getting from, understand them, understand their philosophies, understand what they're about. And yes, we have these strategies in our toolkit, but that doesn't mean that we give chemotherapy to every single patient that comes with any pain in their chest. You know what I mean? Like we don't, we don't do that. Like you just, you have to go through the proper dot treatment, test, diagnosis, and then if chemo's that, or if it's just the sling that you need, or it's just a couple of aspirins, like we would work out which you know, which treatment needs to be used or which strategy needs to be deployed. That is so true. That is so true. I just was like, um, I didn't want to interrupt you, and but I wanted to applaud mm. you on that because um, there's so many things you just said that uh, I agree. And I think every advisor, or if, you know, that I know of, and you and I uh, rub shoulders with some incredible people in our industry, which is why we connected. Um, mm. But there are some fantastic advisors out there and their job, our job, is to get you where you need to go in the easiest risk less is that the word i just created a new <laughs> word there um in 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 a way that is taking the least risk at risk sometimes it's a little longer sometimes it's going to be you feel it's going to take forever but we're doing that because we want you to keep we want to keep you safe along the way as well and when we're in an environment like we are seeing right now where there is markets that are, you know the financial markets going up and down and there's been a lot of financial loss in people's super funds as we, you know, that's a perfect example. And then there's inflation. And then we got, now we've got these interest rate rises. It's a very hard place for us to um, navigate when there's too much risk on the table. So what, this is why we do all that extra work and sort of look at the worst case scenarios and navigate, okay, if an environment like this has occurred, which it has now, if a bear market pops its head up, we're facing a recession, we're facing this. Well, what, it, what does it look like? If, Another GFC came along. We know what that looks like. We've, we've got that historical data. We can sort of work around that. We do our numbers, not just in the best case, but also the worst case. And one thing I wanted, and another thing is, yes, we want, to, we want our clients to be debt-free. I'm with you on the insurance stuff. Like my goal is I get excited when I reduce my, insur my client's insurance premiums. Big, not premiums, their insurance, but uh, some's insured. Benefits. Um, yeah. which, which also in, often reduces their premiums. But the point is yeah. if their benefit amounts are reducing, we're doing a good job. We're growing our wealth. And the other thing I wanted to agree with you on that is also question, if you're wanting to use and leverage with your super, why aren't you having a second level of wealth creation outside of super? What are you doing with your cash flow? 
Where are you, why are you putting all your eggs in one basket? Why don't you look at a diversified strategy that sits not just on your mortgage or your, you know, trying to save for a home, but all, and not just on your super, but something on, in, in the middle that doesn't need to be huge, but you can start small. I know that I watched, uh, Ben Nash did a, a, a reel a couple of weeks ago using the example of you can end up with a million dollars in passive income if you're consistently putting investing $5 a week. But it's about when you start. Obviously, the sooner, the earlier, the younger you are. That's probably, he's probably doing a timeline of someone in their 20s. But it's, it's actually proven that if you're consistent with your strategy and you're consistently putting a certain amount each week and you know your cash flow, you know your numbers, you will get where you need to go. It might take 30 years, and his example was about a 30 or 40 year time frame but you will get there. Now we're in a world of instant gratification where everything needs to be done now. And that in when it comes to wealth creation is not the case. You said that last week, you know, that the tortoise, tortoise and the hare. He's, the tortoise will eventually win. The hare's going to do all the shortcuts and make mistakes. And we don't want you to make mistakes. That's really what we're coming, where we're coming from. We want to make sure that you get to the goal. That's it. So I just wanted to reiterate everything you just said because when you are looking for advice, you are wanting to create wealth, you are wanting to, say, leverage or do these strategies like debt recycling, my advice would be go and do your homework and really interview your advisor and have that conversation. They're with you the long term. Like I'm having I've clients for, for, for such a long time, you know, you, you're their lifetime. So you don't think you're going to set, turn up and here we are, here's a piece of paper on your way and see you later, this is a long-term relationship. So that would be a bit of advice for you as well, is really get to know the, the advisor behind the advice. And I have 100% Amy, and obviously, um, you know, we think very alike and, and the way that we kind of do things is very similar. Um, I was going to say, like, another thing that people say to me is like, John, what's like the, if you have to say what you do for your clients, what is it? And I always say, like, I stop them from making stupid decisions with their money. And I look around corners they can't see. And if I can get those yeah. two right, like they're well on their way to achieving where they need to get to. And, and that might sound very simple and it's supposed to be. Um, it, creating wealth is boring. Okay. It's not sex. Okay. It's not that as soon as you think like excitement when it comes to finances, question it. Yeah. Question it. Like, honestly, question it. Like, all of that mm. excitement around, you know, oh, my gosh, my returns are 25% up this week. Like, question that, yeah? Oh, my gosh, my property has gone up exponentially in the last 18 months. Question that. Like, if something's too hot or too good to be true, yeah, question that. And this is where we're going into, like, obviously, the strategies, the way you kind of go about things, this selling of this dream of this gearing debt recycling strategy. If it sounds too good to be true, just question it. And it's not to say that it's wrong. Your property might go up in value. There might be really good infrastructure that's going around it. There might be a lot of things that are happening and tick, but just look at it. Don't look at it and just go, ooh, and celebrate it and think, just look at it, okay? The same as if you were doing, if, you're, if, you're, if it's the other way, if your property's down by 50%, like, you should be checking out the go. Obviously, you probably really like to check it out before that happens. So if you can think about it on the fear side, think mm. about it on the greed side, okay? And that's what we're trying to, you know, reiterate here. Just question that. 
Absolutely. Look, I mean, you both, you and I have probably seen this and um, I, I want to share the, the good, the bad, the ugly, but I've seen the ugly come through the doors as, you know, people have been sold that, oh, we, this is a this is a new development, this is a growing area, da 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 and the, the property value has dropped incredibly. They haven't been able to lease out the property for months on end. Um, and it's like sitting on the fence of do, you, do we cut the loss now and it's going to be a big, big loss? Or are you, are you prepared just to weigh it out and sit on your hands and just let time do its thing? And one particular client I'm thinking of, their property, they've got one sign North Queensland. And for years, they've just been sitting on the fence. Now, that area was a mining area and now more money, more infrastructure is coming in. They're getting prop, the properties being leased out. It's not growing in value, but in terms of it's, they're no longer going backwards with it because mm -hmm. their rental income is now cut, like servicing their loaners. They kind of thought, we'll give it another year. And then thankfully they did. And I was already researching and looking into this area and I knew things were, things were starting to happen for the area. So it was a decision that, it, it felt right and thankfully that was and we don't have the crystal ball, we don't always know. Another client though, uh, who came to me and just asked me to, do, to they got advice, well, not really advice, they set it up with a, an accountant and went off and did their own thing, bought a property in their SMSF and it's gone backwards and mm -hmm. it's, it, it's not an effective strategy. Why? Well, your tax deduction within super is only 15%. So you, you, you should be actually, this should be in your name, but we can't do that. It's too late. Mm -hmm. But you're not, you're not actually servicing the loan because the rental income doesn't cover it. You're, you're putting money into a super that's actually paying a loan that is not tax effective for you in the super fund. You are going backwards because the value has actually gone backwards as well. So there was two areas of falling backwards. And I actually at that point is my advice is to sell. It's cut your loss and because you have a, with a super fund, we have an opportunity to really make, you know, make hay while the sun shines, so to speak, while you're earning certain money and you can salary sacrifice and you can actually use this, this strategy, use that um, vehicle as a really tax effective vehicle to grow your wealth. If you're, you know, invested in assets that's going backwards in multiple ways, it's not smart. And you've really got to think of why is that vehicle that, why could that vehicle be good for me and why isn't it working? Now, they, they kind of didn't want to hear that. You know, some people don't want to hear the bad news. But I have, to be the, I have to be the bearer of the bad news in that respect. It didn't make sense and you could probably agree with me. It's just like you, you've got an opportunity right now while you're working, while you're earning this kind of money, to turn your super value around in a different strategy and cut those 100, losses. 100%, Amy. And, and this is the thing, the like when to cut that loss, when to make that, it all, it actually all, all boils down to getting it right from the start. Okay. And this, like, yes, we can work it, work what we can do. Yes, we can try and fix what we can fix. But once the scar is there, the scar's there. Yeah, we can try mm -hmm. and patch it up. We can make it do what it needs to do. But just don't put yourself in that situation in the first place. If you do find yourself in that situation, yes, we are probably the best equipped to kind of help in that scenario. But for the people that are in that, like, who haven't put themselves in this scenario, kind of congratulate yourself. Yeah. And mm. just make sure that you're not getting, not doing that. And once again, gearing is like a magnifying glass. 
Okay. So it's just, it's a, it's a bigger thing. You know, you, they invested maybe $60,000 on a $600,000 property and then their property is 10% down. They fall, they still owe, you know, the 540, but their property is worth 540. So they've literally lost all their money and they still owe the bank hundred percent of the loan. And maybe like you, I've seen unfortunately worse, uh, more worse scenarios than good ones. Okay. But I can tell you. That the ones that do get through the eligibility criteria do stick to the plan, do, you know, everything that's required. Yes. Mm. They have unbelievable outcomes. Yeah. But. Yeah. Okay. But it's done properly. It's done professionally. We don't just make these people run a marathon without training beforehand. Okay. Like a lot of our clients don't come off the first year of working with us. Bang, we're doing debt recycling straight away or gearing. Like that's not how it works. Not at all. Build the relationship, financial literacy, understand that what they can tolerate and get the relationship and then maybe start to deploy it. So, you know, just bear in mind, um, if you're in those situations to think about how we go about these and just understand that you want to get this right from the start. Remember, time needs to be your best friend, not your worst enemy. Absolutely. Look, I have a few clients that have come recently with the fact that they know that they can leverage, they can, they can actually do these strategies. And my advice is, yep, we do the numbers. Yep, it's possible. But even though I've given you this advice, this, and I have this little disclaimer inside my statement of advice is that all of the other things that I've given you that in terms of, you know, insurance, product advice, that's got a time frame. We've got to we kind of move on that. But I'm not putting any time frame on you getting the lending and buying instantly. We can sit on this for a period of time. I'm happy for you guys to sit and wait and watch the markets. I'm more comfortable that way. And I should educate them that even though we've got like one of my clients who's got 1.9 million, uh, you know, in her equity, and she wants to buy an investment property. And I love that idea and I, I, you know, I looked at the numbers and yes, it's all very, very, because we're not going to be using that 1.9, you know, 600,000 of it. We can do this, but there is no hurry. It's all possible though. The fact is sometimes people just need to know if it can be done first. And then when the right time comes, okay, let's execute. It's something like, come on board, let's look at everything, but we you know, let's just navigate where we're at right now. And, and in this current market, I keep, I do repeat myself over and over again, but it's really important to be aware of what is going on always. Because a few years ago, we were in a very bullish market. And when I say bullish, it was the, the financial markets were doing returns in a growth uh, portfolio of about 20 to 25, some even 30. And, in, in, you know, properties were skyrocketing. You know, I'm in the east in Sydney. And it was insane. One minute we were looking at a property in Kensington at three million, and two years later they were five point six to six hundred, you know, six million. Sorry, in that small type, same kind of homes, right? Same area. Um, I hate to think how much that was. I'm in Bondi. What that looks like here. Now I know by watching the markets, and I don't. Now we we use lots of different um, uh, data information, so we use LongSec for our. Um, research on our portfolios against other portfolios so we can come to our clients and say, this is what you're currently doing. That's what our portfolios are doing. But I do the same with property and I go on to SQM and there's core data. There's a lot of them out there that you can actually do that research. And I encourage, there's a lot of free stuff out there. Go and start looking and digging and playing with these 
numbers and looking at what did it do last year? What was the rental income in that area on average look like for a three bedroom? Or what was that property looking like? Just to give yourself some insight because hearing the stories and buying into the, the feel good stuff that you get on Instagram and the get rich quick schemes, um, it, it, that's all just about dopamine. That's just really getting this instant gratification and it gets you excited to go in and get sold to. So don't get sold to. Go and do your research and then get advice. Sorry. I went on my rant there, John. <laughs> That's all right. It's, it's because you're so passionate about it. And obviously we both do. We've got that, you know, that we want to make sure that our clients are achieving our go their goals and aspirations and, you know, not taking unnecessary risks that they don't need to, you know. So, um, no, nah, for all the listeners and viewers, it's, it's very, very, very important. Um, that you have, uh, have a lot of takeaways from today, especially in regards to, you know, if you're looking to accelerate your investment strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And I really loved that you broke down sort of understanding what LVR is. I think that a lot of people get confused by that, but it's really important that people understand that they may, as you stated before, wanting to, they may have borrowed when they were, I say, 20 or 25%. But the markets can shift and that will actually change what that LVR is. Actually, one of our colleagues the other day put up a, a table. Of, I was, I've got a screenshot of it. I haven't posted it yet. Um, that's Mezzy Wells. That's our friend, um, Delene. And, Delene. you know, she sort of gave, she gave us a bit of an insight to what that borrowing capacity now has shifted because of where the markets are shift. So I, rec I recommend you follow a lot of us advisors on social. We all have our own sort of philosophies, but we all come from a point of absolute compassion to and care. Like we want to look after our people. We want to make sure that you guys are all going to be looked after, that you're on your wealth journey, that you're achieving your goals. And money's just a tool. Don't give it too much energy in terms of the emotional state. It is just a tool and we're there to guide you. 100%. And yeah, there's a lot of great advisors we can get a lot of great support from and and, you know, um, the biggest thing is as well too, is if you find yourself, you know, just listening to this, you're taking one step on the financial literacy journey as well too, which, uh, is the absolute key. Um, you should always learn and know and grow who you are. So, um, yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you, John. Thanks so much. Again, in the show notes, we'll have all his details as well. Please feel free to reach out to us. We're both on LinkedIn and also on social channels and, um, we're here to help. We're here to serve. Have a beautiful day wherever you are. If you like what you are, are hearing, please rate us. Don't hesitate to comment. Don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you. Stay safe. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share the love, like and share all posts. Social links are in the show notes below. Please note that any information shared in this podcast is general in nature and not to be perceived as financial advice. Please seek advice from a licensed financial advisor just like me. We also want to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the traditional custodians of this country we record this podcast in. We recognise their continuing connection to the land and waters and thank them for protecting this coastline and its ecosystems since time immemorial.